The Lifestylist, episode 167, featuring John Wolf. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've probably figured out that I'm a pretty hardcore researcher when it comes to finding healthy products, right? Well, one of the things I've been searching for for a while is the number one best organic bedding that you can find. There's a lot of cheap, crappy stuff out there. And so I was really excited when I found this company, Altera Pure, and I got them on the phone when I thought about running their ads. And I do this with everyone, by the way, that I run ads for. I got them on the phone and I really grilled them about their whole process the company philosophy, where the cotton comes from, where it's made, how it's made, who's making it, the freaking water that goes in the soil. You guys know I'm hardcore. And Altera Pure passed my test, my scrutinizing test with flying colors. These guys make not only really well-made and safe bedding, but it is actually really soft and comfortable. I don't know, they cracked the code on making soft organic sheets, which are actually quite rare. A lot of the organic stuff is like freaking sandpaper. So these are just beautifully constructed sheets that are really good for you. They're organic, no pesticides, they're non-GMO. They're very environmentally and socially sustainable. And they also are just um, very transparent. You can find out anything you want to know. You can call them. I don't know if you'll talk to the CEO, but you'll talk to someone. They'll answer any question you have and they will prove to you beyond the shadow of a doubt that they are in fact making the healthiest bedding in the world. So if you want to check it out, go over to alterapure.com. That's alterapure.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 15%. Pretty cool, right? I always try to get you guys a discount. It works out well for everyone. I win, the company wins, and you win. So go to, once again, alterapure.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST and you will save yourself 15% off your order. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at Organifi.com. Really excited about this product. I've been using it for a few months and I've got to say they are revolutionizing the green juice game. So you probably know that green juice is good for you, right? We see them like in 7-Eleven now and airport convenience stores. That's awesome. I'm all for it. There's a couple of issues with green juice that I find troubling. A is a lot of times they come in plastic. B, they're loaded with sugar up to 25 grams sometimes, which is insane. That's like a green Coke. But the main thing is they're just really inconvenient. They're not good for travel. Organifi has solved that problem by creating these single serving packets of a really easy to mix, easy to use green juice superfood blend. It's loaded with 11 superfoods. It's got chlorella, wheatgrass, spirulina, mint, turmeric, moringa, ashwagandha, lemon, beets, matcha green tea, coconut water. Best of all, it's sweetened with monk fruit, which is a really low glycemic sugar. So it's not going to spike your blood sugar, which essentially drains you of energy, makes you crash, and ultimately could also make you fat because you don't want to be having a high sugar drink. It just is not good. So these guys make this amazing tasting, super powerful green juice powder. It also comes in a tub if you just want to have one at home. 
it's by far the tastiest one that I've found. There's a lot of superfood green blends around. And to be honest, a lot of them just taste gross and they don't mix well and they're just not convenient to travel with. You'd have to like make a Ziploc bag full of some green powder. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to be traveling through the airport security and get caught with one of those. So if you want to check it out, I highly recommend that you do. And I've also got a little discount for you, of course. All you do is go to Organifi.com. That's spelled with an I, Organifi.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST and you will save 20% off your order. It's a pretty sweet deal. So again, go to Organifi.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST and you will save 20%. Check it out. All right, you gym junkies and juice heads, I finally got an episode just for you. Today's show is focused on all things fitness with John Wolf, Chief Fitness Officer at Onnit in Austin, Texas. I was introduced to John by my brother Cody, who's probably one of the most fit people I've ever met in my life and someone who has a vast understanding of how the body functions on a physiological level and how to train and work out safely. So when Cody recommends someone, as he did his friend John Wolf, I've got to listen. And uh, we went over and recorded this episode at Story Fitness, my brother Cody's gym in Los Angeles. A little shout out to Cody and what he does over there. If you're into functional movement, if you're into jumping in the ice bath that I built over there, I don't know if he lets you do that if you work out, but if I'm there, I'll let you. Uh, but if you're into mobility and and working out in a sustainable way, uh, you can go see Cody and his his team over there. And, uh, you know, if you have any chance to get to on it in Austin, Texas, you definitely want to experience that. Uh, I did a couple of interviews with Aubrey Marcus and, uh, Kyle Kingsbury out there at their headquarters where John works, uh, for his day gig, you know, and uh, they've also got some online programs that, uh, John's going to talk about in the episode. So, um, you know, I've been getting requests for more fitness stuff. And I know in my own life, in the world of health and biohacking and my own, uh, pursuit of well-being that. Um, vigorous, intense exercise has been something that's difficult for me to adopt. I do it, but the consistency has been challenging. So I really got a lot out of this conversation with John because the way he frames fitness is just so simple and common sense uh, that it actually gives me personally some enthusiasm toward the practice. And it really is a practice. So you know, working out is more than just getting swole, you guys. <laughs> There's a lot more to it. And John is going to uh, enlighten us to some of the the deeper um, and more, at the same time, practical aspects of what it takes to uh, keep the human meat suit up and running in a um, in an effective and, uh, and long-term way. So this is a great episode. If you're someone that needs a little inspiration to uh, hit the gym more, to work out more, whatever that looks like, and if you're someone who's already into fitness and think you've got it down, you're going to learn a lot, my friend. So we're going to jump into that in a moment. I'd like to uh, invite you to come check out next Tuesday's episode with Darren Olin. Recorded that out in the woods in Malibu at John's crazy, God, what is it? It's a hunting lodge. I mean, I'm sorry, at uh, Darren's place, which is kind of this old hunting lodge. Really trippy, amazing place and a great conversation uh, about um, his adventures as a superfood hunter. He's the world's top superfood hunter and he confesses all of his insane stories about traveling the world over. So that's next week, number 168 with Darren Olin. Really great guy, great episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that piece. Next up, I've got a couple events. I'll be at Mercado Sagrado this weekend. What? October 13th and 14th, 2018. I'll be presenting my biohacking lounge. You can come in and uh, be under... 
this pseudo physician's care for a couple of days. <laughs> I need some kind of disclaimer. Maybe I'll have you sign a waiver that, you know, in case anything happens to you, it's not Luke's fault. But no, seriously, uh, come in, try out all of my biohacking equipment. I'll be there with the AMP coil team. I'll have my Vettel Reaction hydrogen inhaler, my Juve red light therapy, my Bulletproof Vibe. I'll have my Nano V. I'm going to have all kinds of really high-tech gear there. And you're going to come into my little uh, room, which is, incidentally, if you're looking for me at Mercado Sagrado, it's appropriately in the saloon. Mercado Sagrado is held at a little uh, old-timey um, Western town that they use for movie sets and stuff like that, kind of a ghost town of sorts. And um, thankfully, I'm in the saloon. You know, it's a, it's a venue close to my heart for many reasons. So I'll be in the saloon, but we won't be drinking, folks. We'll be drinking some uh, spring water from Live Spring Water. They've donated water to the event. So I'm going to throw you on the amp coil and give you an amazingly, um, naturally uh, psychedelic experience and fill you up with some really pristine spring water. And that's Mercado Sagrado this weekend, 13th and 14th of October. Then Whitma Live, New York City, October 25th. This is a bonanza, huge, massive event at... Uh, assemblage, and I'm going to be leading a panel on flow states. There's going to be tons of other amazing speakers and panelists. Whitma Live is super lit. You don't want to miss that. And then October 27th, I'll be at Rama Institute in New York City. That's on the Lower East Side. And we'll be doing some breath work, some kundalini yoga, some chanting, some mantras. We're going to take, take a deep spiritual dive October 27th at Rama. If you want to come hang out with me in person, it's super easy as long as you're in a city where I'm at, um, oh God, that's one of my personal pet peeves saying where you at, where I'm at. That's actually not English, but um, that's also called perfectionism. So come hang where I'm at <laughs> at these next events or anyone's to follow by going to lukestory.com forward slash events. That's lukestory.com forward slash events. On to this episode uh, with John Wolf. Here's what we talk about. I'm just going to cover that real quick and then we'll just dive into it. So we talk about why Belcampo is the best place in LA, if not the world, for good, clean, farm-to-table food. Uh, How starting martial arts at just four years old helped shape John into the man he is today. And he is one disciplined MF. It really shows not only his physique, but his commitment to all things fitness. The dark period of John's life when he started doing meth. Ooh, yikes. Wow. I used to do a bit of meth myself. Not a fun drug. I don't know why I did it. I guess I just like to do anything back in the day that made me feel different than I felt, even if it was worse, if that makes any sense. Then how John found himself on the side of a freeway, which led to his awakening. Amazing story of transformation. The open company culture of Onnit and their psychic cosmonaut experience is very progressive company out there in Austin, Texas. You wouldn't think Texas is necessarily the hotbed of consciousness research, but the guys over at Onnit are in their own little world. And so John gives us a glimpse into all the fantastic goings on um, as, a, as a corporation there at Onnit. Really cool stuff. How an alternative fitness system changes you physiologically and emotionally. How the functional fitness movement allows you to train hard, but also safely. Creating a framework of early and frequent success with limitations on how frequent failure occurs relative to an individual's resiliency toward failure. I can't believe I just said that one sentence. It makes no sense to me now that I'm reading it, but hopefully it did to you and John's going to explain it. The natural movements that every human being should be able to do and use as an adult, but that many of us lose due to our sedentary lifestyle 
and how you can regain those ranges of motion for natural movement. Really an important goal and one that I've set for myself and my brother Cody and John and different people are really helping me out with that. And then finally, what you can do to proactively integrate body support and recovery into your active lifestyle. So we talk about how you can integrate fitness into your day-to-day activities, not just you know a set-aside time to go to the gym. And I really relate to that model and have integrated that a lot more into my life because that's how I approach spirituality. It's not like I have to go um, to a mosque, to a synagogue, to a church, to the Himalayas. <laughs> what do they call it? Himalayas. I don't have to go there. I don't have to go anywhere special. I can have an experience of spirituality anytime I want, anywhere I want, although it's easier in certain places, obviously. And um, John has that same approach for fitness, you know, turn the world into your gym wherever you go. And I think that that's a really great and practical advice. So here we go. Grab some dumbbells, grab a kettlebell, do a couple push-ups, do a couple pull-ups, get yourself pumped for this episode all about fitness with Mr. John Wolf. John Wolf, what's happening to do? Welcome to the Lifestylist Podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. So we've been having a good time here, listeners. We just went over to Bel Campo, which is like a must hit for anyone that comes into the city of LA that likes to eat good, clean, farm-to-table food. And now we're over here at Story Fitness, uh, my brother's spot. This place is great. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about fitness here. So uh, my brother Cody and John have a long history. They were going to meet up when John came into town and... uh we thought, shit, we might as well just record a podcast. If someone interesting comes in, we got to do it. Hey, man, you know, it's a great opportunity. You were just in Austin, too, and we missed we missed each other out there. So I thought, hey, this is a great opportunity to get a, a second run at I that. I was at, on it two different days for like five hours a day, and somehow we kept missing each other in that under that roof. So, yeah, but it was meant to be because now here we are in L.A., and you get the full tour of Cody's spot, and we get to do the damn thing. I got Belcampo. I probably would never have had Belcampo otherwise. Dude, Belcampo is crucial. There's a few other spots, just lifestyle spots. You know, we're talking about Kundalini Yoga. There's a spot for that. There's there's a spot for everything here. But if you're going to eat, you went to the right place. All right. All right, dude. So I want to get right into some fitness stuff. You know, I've only, I've been doing the show two years. And the show is all about building the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. But I have to say, admittedly, since I'm not a huge fitness buff, I've only, this would be my third show really dedicated to fitness. Well, I did a couple movement. I had Katie Bowman, I had Aaron Alexander. But let's just say like all physical activity movement outside of yoga, probably four episodes. Huh. So it's, and that's out of 150 or something. So this is something I really need to do. So I'm glad you came into town because it's like a piece that needs to be addressed more in order to stick to the vision of the show. And you know what? You, you have a great resource here, not only locally, but in your family, right? Yeah, so, I do. I'm so lucky. I'm going to shine light back on on Mr. Cody's story and this space that you guys where that we're in right now. Yeah, and uh, maybe some of the shared stories of, of our journey and tie it all together if that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, absolutely. Got to honor that. Well, as I started to use Onnit products, the Alpha Brain and whatever, the first stuff I started to do. Uh, and telling Cody about it because I'm always turning him on to my supplements and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, my boy John works in on it now. And you guys had that history. So I definitely want to go into that. All right. So you started doing martial arts at four years old. Tell me what's up with that. Oh, man. I don't think it was of my own choice. <laughs> I want to, to take honest. it way back. Uh, we going way back. Yeah. Back in time. I'm just uh, pick, I, was, I was, you know, doing my research on you like I do. I always do my research. Even if I think I can wing it, I don't like to wing it. 
And I'm thinking about a four-year-old kid. Like, how does the kid even know how to kick or do anything? Well, all right. Well, I'll keep it real, right? So the reason I got put into martial arts wasn't because I wanted to be this badass. It was because I, I didn't have like an aggressive bone in my body and I grew up in the hood. So I came home a couple of days without my toys. My dad grew up rough and he was like, hey, either, either you show up with your toy or you show up already got an ass whooping. There's the only two options because if you didn't get an ass whooping when, before you got here, you're going to get an ass whooping when you show up without your toy. And so I was like, well, I just don't have like, it's just a thing. You know what I mean? And so my parents decided like, man, I, we need to put this kid in some type of self-defense program where he learns to, learns to be able to defend himself with some skills because there's not an inherent nature for that, you know, so that's, that's kind of how I ended up, man. I, I remember growing up and like, I don't want to go. I grabbed the, the literally grabbed the door frame and somebody would have to pull me in from the inside and they'd be pushing me in from the outside. I think mainly cause I got my, got my ass kicked the first day by a girl. She, she, she was tough. Yeah, man. Oh man. That's, that's hard to explain to the badass dad too. No, nah, no, nah, it was, she was, she was, <laughs> she was a badass. I mean, she was, she was a couple years older and she had already been competing in state oh, tournaments. Okay. I just walked in kind of cocky. Yeah. Like, oh, you poured, paired me up with this this girl. Like, what's she gonna do? Oh, I was on my back with the wind knocked out of me real quick. So you got a lesson in humility early on, man. I, you know what? The world, the universe tends to tends to provide those at key key times. It just happened. My first real big one was at four years old. And so when you started fight, I mean, when I say fighting, it's hard to imagine. I did karate when I was like ten or something. I think I got into it for a little bit, and then I got hit a couple times, and I was like, yeah, I'm good. It looked cool in Bruce Lee movies, but it doesn't look cool when you're getting a foot to the face. How long did you do that? Did you carry on, you know, with that? And was that kind of your entree into fitness? Man, as a matter of fact, yeah, the the dojo. So my parents split when I was young. So the dojo provided a lot of insight into a variety of aspects of life that continue to influence who I am every day. So um, at the dojo, there was that physical discipline. Uh, I'd have to say when I was eight years old, you know, I could do like 250 push-ups straight. Of course, the levers are different. The weight's different. So uh, there's no way I would do that now, no matter how fit I got. Because your body weighed like 45 pounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I was busting them out. But but even to, to be able to do that took a lot of discipline. Right? right. So that was the case. But there was more than just a physical discipline. There was a, a mental, emotional aspect to competition. And then there was the bylaws of the dojo that drove your character. And I remember even getting punished for things that I thought weren't my fault, but they were trying to, to kind of provide a good insight into like personal responsibility outside of the dojo. So to this day, as, as, as a man, as a leader, as, as somebody who's uh, wants to be a good servant to the, to the world around me, you know, I, I look back to the lessons I learned at that dojo, but I did compete for many years and, and uh, learned a lot through that as well. It was a really unique dojo. We did boxing, judo, jiu-jitsu, and karate. So it's kind of like oh, really? kind of like mixed martial arts disciplines. Wow, yeah. interesting. And so what about back on the streets? Did you I mean, when you say you grew up in, in rough areas, did you have to defend yourself and stuff like that? I remember, man, I uh talk about Bruce Lee flicks and stuff like that. I remember yeah. one time I was like, Man, I was mad, I was gonna get jumped by these kids because I was kind of a loner. I made these nunchucks out of bamboo. <laughs> oh, I, I might have smacked somebody upside the head with one of these nunchucks one time. It might have been me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, probably me and one other kid. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but no. I mean, to be honest, I've been really lucky in life. The amount of times I've had to have myself involved in violent altercations have been relatively minimal. Not only because that's not my nature still, but I think that because of that skill set and because of the confidence of competing and being able to 
manage against people even bigger than me or of different size and backgrounds, you know, physically just never portrayed myself as a victim from then on, you know? And so yeah. I think that's a big yeah. part of it is just to, is sometimes when you have that confidence or you have the skill set, you don't actually, you don't actually have to use them, you know? And so I think that that's been a big blessing as well. And now, in, you know, portraying that kind of same confidence in the leadership role I'm really lucky to have has, has carried on very, very much. So even actually going back to the dojo and thinking about how much this influenced me. I remember teaching the younger students at the dojo when I was like eight years old, I was leading groups of, of other students. And, and now just thinking about it right now as we're sitting down, like, Oh, how much that's influenced my ability to present and teach and seminar format and group format. Yeah. 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 So I owe a lot to that. So, yeah, it's funny. There are those things in, in childhood that there's the, you know, the negative trauma. We were talking a little bit about that, you know, your family of origin issues and how that can kind of shape you in, in a negative way. But then there are those, you know, you have your one cool teacher or uncle or the one cool parent or karate teacher or just an environment like that. And some of the positive gets imprinted in you. Yeah, man. I mean, I've been really lucky throughout life. A lot of a lot of those little sprinklings, you know, and even the, you know, we talked about parental wounding or the, that, that framework that's in imparted on you through those experiences, those caregivers, those nurturers or whatever they lacked as well. But man, even then I've been really lucky. You know, um, I think it's really important. I've overcome a lot of things in life and I've, and people ask how, and I think that a lot of it was, I'm I, luck of the draw was a big part of it too. I was really lucky to always feel loved. And so like now as a coach or as a mentor, I want to be able to kind of provide that too. that thing that I don't know that everybody else has always had that, that experience. And I'm, lucky enough to be in a position where I have a platform and I have a platform with on it. That's all about that same thing, you know, to yeah. be of service that way. We're going to definitely talk a lot about that. Cause I, as I said, I spent two days out there. I went to, you know, did my thing at paleo FX, but then I had, you know, it was on Aubrey's show. Then I went back on uh, Monday. Right? And as I said, I almost missed my flight per usual uh, to do Kyle's show. And then Kyle did my show. And I was like, I've never been good at having a job, but if I had to have a job anywhere, that would probably be the spot. So I want to definitely get into the, you know, bit of the company culture because what you guys are doing is, is very innovative uh, in those ways and also just with the fitness stuff. But before we get to the happy ending, so to speak, I know that uh, there was kind of a dark period in your life and I want to cover that just because I don't really go into people's story a lot. Usually we just jump in and start talking about the shit they're into now. But I do like a story when there's a little bit of a twist. So you're this happy kid. You felt loved. You had the positive influence of the dojo and, and the different martial arts practices that you have. But then there was a while when shit got a little funky there, from what I understand. Tell us about that. Yeah, man. You know, uh, everything was hunky-dory. I was a goody-goody. But I think I experienced... So even though my parents split, I was always, like I said, I was always enveloped in love. And not only from my parents, who I knew they, they both loved me, but... My grandparents who were kind of like second parents or my sensei who was like another father figure. There was always like these adoptive uncles or other people that contributed a lot of positive energy. But my grandmother was more like a mother to me. My mom was a lot like a friend a lot of times, you know, great mom. But at the same time, when I was young, we kind of just hung out and we had a great time. My grandmother was really my maternal figure. And so my first experience with real loss and death was was at, at her loss, at the loss of her. And it just shook me, man. You know, I was already kind of starting to get into the party scene, kind of just dove deeper in. I was just so angry about the, with the universe and with uh, what's right and wrong and the belief systems, kind of a young, adolescent, naive perspective on right and wrong and what 
what the universe owes you if you live a righteous life, yeah. you know? Yeah. How could, like, how could, if God is all loving, how could he let this happen? It, word for word, you know, <laughs> crying into my grandmother's bed after she passed away, I went back to her house and just, you know, screaming in a pillow and just thought those exact same things and thought those things for a long time, you know, until I, uh, till I went pretty dark, you know? So like that, that day, a year to the day, my grandfather passed away, like just was diagnosed with lung cancer two weeks later, died right after midnight on the anniversary of my grandmother's death. Oh, wow. That happens a lot. You know that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I realized, yeah, yeah, you know, you lose the will to live. Your life partner is gone, you know? I did. I've really reflected on that a lot. It's trippy then too. It's trippy. It's there's a lot of power, you know, in in those type of bonds, right? Uh, chosen bonds like that, shared life, shared experiences. Three months after that, uh, my uncle committed suicide, and we shared like a moment, a night, where we kind of he he opened up and shared his intent to do that, and I pleaded with him, but you know, you cannot take somebody's personal choice away from them, so. I got a call from my mom one day I was at work and I knew right when I heard a voice, you know, it was, it was that. And so that series of events kind of just sent me on this crazy spiral and, you know, I found myself addicted to meth and I was partying and doing all these other things, but that, that was the one thing that beat me, man. I was like, it really beat me. <laughs> I don't think many people escaped that one, dude. Yeah. It was really weird. Cause I, I, I used it and then I had, a, I had held a career, you know, I was doing really good. And then I was crashing when I needed to perform. So I used to get back, to baseline and then next thing you know man i was strung out and i ended up being 130 pounds yeah. wow and by contrast listeners what are you now 220 230 like lean mean 190 man what are you, you really? about yeah no i was i was about 225 not too yeah, long for ago for those of you what you can watch you know the youtube video we got a youtube video on this but you're you're big dude yeah i'm, I'm not what, small you, i'm not very tall though you know that's the thing when you were at your like peak gains level super swell would you weigh I'd say the best weight for me is in that 185, 195 range. But when I'm heavier, I I just, I'm just bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I lift heavier stuff, but not, it's not optimal. Yeah. I'm not optimized for me. I think the strength and the mobility, everything, athleticism, it really is in that range. Like we all have like a sweet spot. Yeah. I'm still trying to find my, (laughs) uh, so going back to the, uh, the meth, um, you know, that's, it's funny, man. And I have a, yeah, you haven't gotten to know me much. The audience has heard me talk probably way too much, but uh, I have a pretty sordid past myself and I did every drug that I ever had a chance to do. I mean, you put in front of me, I'll take it and then ask you later what it was, you know, that kind of thing. I can relate. But crystal meth is weird. I started doing that when I was probably 12 years old or so because I lived in, I don't want to say I lived in the hood, but I definitely lived in a lower income area and I was around, you know, there's a lot of bikers around. I used to call it, uh, what do they call it? Um, crank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chasing the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would do it, but I hated it. It was one of those drugs. I, you know, I didn't even have a love hate relationship. I had a hate hate relationship, but if there was nothing else around to change my feelings, cause I experienced some of the same kind of feelings as you did. And most human beings do that. And I just didn't know how to process them. I would do that drug and I always hated it. So I always would trip out like, how someone got addicted to that drug because it sucks so bad. It's, it's, it's like torture. the worst drug, dude. But you know, it's, it's weird. People are like, I mean, so maybe how do you like it? Crack like, might be worse, but at least crack goes away after a few hours of jonesing. Like, you're not, like, I would do speed. I'd be high for like two days off a tiny little, tiny little line, you know? Yeah. It's so strong. You remember the shadow people? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. yeah. You're like yeah. not sleeping for three days. That's you start you, to hallucinate. That's why you got to have the uh, rolls of tinfoil over the, <laughs> to cover the windows, <laughs> dude. Keep the FBI from, from <laughs> spying on you. Man. So, uh, and then at a certain point, that, that spiraled out. And uh, what happened on the side of the freeway? When you ended up there oh, drunk. Oh, shoot, man. You're going, that's a whole different. I do my research. Right, so that you, was a bit later yeah, on. That was a bit later. Okay. So because you quit so doing I, drugs. I quit, oh, I quit doing meth at least. Okay. I don't know that I quit doing drugs. Let's, let's quit, not exaggerate. You quit doing that one really <laughs> shitty drug. Exactly. And, you know, I, and the vehicle to overcome that addiction was actually fitness. This is, that's kind of kicked off the journey, you know, of to trying to go through personal improvement. Don't mind me. I'm just yeah. Instagramming yeah. you while we record. What's going on? <laughs> We're just talking about life, you know, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. So fitness was the vehicle I used to really overcome that. And then yet I still fell into, you know, partying. I think that, you know, the human experience, like you said, you know, there's, there's times things are still getting hard and I still like to party. I just didn't want to be strung out anymore, you know? And so, yeah. uh, still partying with alcohol, and and found myself doing other substances as well, but it didn't. They so didn't you beat managed me the same to sh- way. you managed to shut the door on meth, but still go out and do your thing. Exactly. Wow, exactly. that's so rare. I find that so rare with people that cross a certain line where they're you know a self admitted bona fide addict that it's difficult for them to permanently put the one thing down and still play out there with other stuff. Well, I picked it up a couple times just to prove that it wasn't necessarily didn't have any power over me anymore. Did it work? Yeah, I was just it like, did? yeah, this shit sucks. Like you said, yeah, you know, this yeah. is stupid. No wonder I didn't <laughs> want to do this anymore. Maybe once you get a break from it, you realize like what a dumb drug that is. I, I don't know if that's the right thing for everybody else to do, but it was yeah. the right thing for me to feel yeah. empowered. And so yeah. it worked out. It could have been a dangerous choice to make, though, I think. you know, yeah. It could have maybe pulled me back in. But, but you're talking about when, when I was drinking heavy, I was working in the finance industry, even though I already kind of used... Uh, fitness as a vehicle. I didn't do it professionally for a long time. It was just for me. So from 2001 to about 2000, so mortgage crash 2008. So it was about 2007, 2008. I woke up on the side of the freeway outside my car on all fours and somebody's like, Hey man, you can't be out here. You're going to get busted. And I like, I could have got busted. I could have crawled into the street and got ran over the highway. I could have Someone could have rolled me, robbed me, done worse things to me, you know? But I swear, I think this person was a guardian angel because, uh, you know, I got in their car and they were not going anywhere near where I live, but they went out of their way to to take me home. I remember, like, them waking me up every five minutes, like, where do I turn now? Where do I turn now? Every, uh, different stoplights and just the haze I was in. And I just uh, got to me to my house. I remember, like, this is my card. Call me. I want to take you and your whole family out. I owe more than just you, you know, never got a call, never heard from the person again, totally convinced that person didn't exist. It was just some type of energy <laughs> right, that right. saved me, you know, right, right. Uh, cause I have some kind of worth that I need to, to manifest in this world. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I stopped drinking for about three years after that. And that was, that was a good experience too. You know, I just, resets there's these moments in life where you have to reset your perspective you know shift and um it takes sometimes these big things i've never as many times as i partied and done everything it's always the nurturer always the one who took care of everybody no matter how much i consumed or partied like if everybody, everybody needed to get taken care of you know i was relatively sober sober enough yeah and yeah. i've just never been that vulnerable 
Yeah. I resented that feeling so much. So after, after that period of having that situation on the freeway and before that, the meth, have you been able in your life then to keep that under control? I mean, obviously you're very successful now. You're, you know, becoming almost a worldwide phenomenon in the fitness industry here. So did you manage to kind of just get enough of a scare in you that you're able to integrate back into society and be successful, but not have to be totally stone cold sober? Yeah. I mean, I still, I think balance is great. You know, I, I I still like to have some good drinks. Sometimes I'll, I like to have quite a few drinks, (laughs) but, but but I have a responsibility and a purpose in life that keeps me a lot more balanced. You know, I have a, a nature to go further, faster, you know, down whatever path I'm on, including down study and fitness and, and other, other things that interest me. So it's only natural that, you know, I might venture down that path of partying too much at some point in time, but it's all about being able to do that on a weekend and, and recover and re- yeah. focus in on things. It might be a weekend a month or whatever the case is, go to a music festival or whatever the case, you know, that yeah. there's an opportunity. Someone's getting married or a bachelor party. I think that there's opportunities in life to, to have excess, but not necessarily live in excess all the time. You're fortunate to be able to have that option. Yeah. Some people that go down that road, it's just like black or white. That's what it is for me. It's just non-negotiable, you know, but it sucks. Cause sometimes I'm like, man, I wonder what it'd be like to just smoke weed every once in a while, or, you know, have that one beer or something, but it just, you know, no, it ain't going to happen. It doesn't so, happen. But I respect that, that side of it too, you know, yeah. I know and you know, I, I don't, I don't have any qualms to say like maybe at one point in time, that'll be the right choice choice for me as well. Yeah. Well at on it, you know, I got the feeling definitely sitting out with Aubrey a couple of times. He was on my show and then I was on his and that culture seems to be very open to the idea of plant medicines, not, you know, talking about drinking and partying and all that, but there's, there's definitely like a lot of cosmonaut activity going on yeah, there. Man. You know, it's like almost everyone I talked to in Austin around that scene was like, oh, did this many ayahuasca giant, what I think Aubrey did 17 or something. Uh, Kyle had done 20 something ayahuasca yeah. journeys. Have you gone into the plant medicine world as an exploration into your consciousness? Mushrooms. Okay. Actually, I'd have to attribute mushrooms to be a contributing factor to overcoming my, my addiction before as well. I just remember this one experience it was meant to be recreational. It ended up being medicinal. <laughs> Dude, you know? that's yeah. funny, bro. I had that same thing happen. <laughs> I had that same thing happen. Man, I just had looked yeah. inside and I was like, whoa, I don't like what I'm seeing. Yeah. And that was a big awakening. But that's yeah, that's, that's the one thing that in terms of plant medicine that I've had experience with, I haven't done ayahuasca, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not against it. I certainly yeah. would be open to it. So let's, let's jump into the fitness stuff then. So, so, you know, you go through that period, hit some rough times. There's a bit of darkness. You're like, Oh shit. You shroom out. You're like, okay, I don't like this guy. I'm going to move in this other direction. And then you ended up starting your own, uh, gym really going deep into the fitness stuff. You started working with Scott Sonnen after that, and then eventually getting into on it. Give me like an abbreviated sort of history of your professional journey. And then I really want to get into some of the nuts and bolts of the fitness stuff, because as I said, that's something I think the audience really deserves to know about. And, you know, I haven't gone that specifically into it. So just give me kind of a little career trajectory. And then I want to get into some very specific stuff about movement and fitness. Definitely. So let's just say 2001 ish. I got into the desire to go through a journey of personal improvement using fitness as my primary vehicle. And then in 2002, really got introduced to a lot of unconventional fitness methodologies through 
Havel Satsuline, and then led to me to Scott Sonnen's body of work. I just really thought, oh, this is cool. It's totally different than the the flow of of the currents uh, in, in that industry. And I didn't like where I saw a lot of people going in that industry. A lot of people would just look like they're doing the same thing, feeling worse and worse. And I thought, well, this could be a different avenue. And it felt like the rabbit hole went deeper. And I needed something to go deep into to not only go deep into that, but deeper into myself to really go through this process on a, on a more, you know, on a deeper level than most people wanted to go, you know? And explain to the audience that doesn't know what kind of, uh, modalities those two guys in particular were using. I'm familiar just because Cody turned, you know, he had the DVDs, the Pavel DVDs Man. back in the day. I still got them somewhere. The kettle, I think he actually has them over here in the corner up on the, on the shelf. You know, I'm like, you know, you can download stuff now, Cody. Yeah. I mean, this is when VHS was still, <laughs> okay, still okay. I, I got VHSs. I don't know about the DVDs, man. He must've got the <laughs> yeah. second edition. Yeah. 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 Um, Late adopter. Yeah. Um, so what were those guys doing? You know, tell people like what was different about that? Because now you see, you know, you see, I see, I see, I uh, go to the regular gym and you see uh, kettlebells sitting around. I mean, they're everywhere. You there know weren't any I mean? kettlebells back there, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a reintroduction of something that was old and now new. Right. And so Pavel Sosselin was writing for this, com- this magazine called Muscle Media 2000. And uh, it was, it was like the, the style of his writing, the dryness, the direct nature of his writing and the value proposition of what he was sharing was so different and so refreshing, but he would integrate, you know, Russian based strength skill, you know, training methodologies into his writing and would tell a lot of anecdotal stories. But then as I got into his different bodies of work, there were really simplified, really effective bodies of work, like uh, a strength program that really just used two exercises, but you'd use those same two exercises every day. That was awesome. I, I got really strong, really fast. But then he also introduced me through his other books in by into joint mobility training and even, uh, contract, relax, stretching, you know, something that I still utilize those technologies today. And then that introduced me through a, through like a a little blurb he had about Scott into his body of work, which kind of used a whole bunch of like weird folkloric movements and dance interpreted and compiled into a fitness system. And then used a lot of ground-based movement from, you know, ground fighting, judo, jujitsu. And I'm like, of course I have a judo background. So as soon as we started getting on the ground, it started resonating with my body you know i remember there was uh one some of the first videos i scott i saw of scott uh sonnen sonnen is that you say his name sonnen 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 yeah. okay of scott that my uh, cody turned me on to he was doing something i think it was called what was it called prasara yoga <laughs> dude was moving like a fucking half cheetah half ape just the craziest thing i'd ever seen and i remember seeing that going that dude is like on to something, whatever that was. I mean, it almost even inspired me to want to move a little bit like that. Because I, I, I literally never seen a human being operate like that, you know? Well, that's really kind interesting of the, stuff. When I first saw a lot of that, that's what, what I thought too, is like, man, you know, this is a journey I can get behind and start yeah. to be on this, this pro in this process for a lot longer than just picking up and bench pressing something. That's, I mean, that's the thing I think to me that was interesting about it is there was a lot more depth there and you could see like, holy shit, there was a huge benchmark, no pun intended. And as opposed to like, Oh cool. I'll go to gold's gym and like work my way up to like a heavier and heavier bench press. It's like, uh, that's such a linear kind of, to me, as I said, someone who's not like very fitness driven, uh, that seems like so boring and pointless. Exactly. You know, but when you get into moving the body and all these non-linear trippy ways, it's a lot more interesting. So you started diving pretty deep into that stuff then? Yeah, it definitely dove deep. Uh, you know, 
you know, we have some awesome people here with us tonight, you know. I know, we should have busted out yeah. more microphones. Sorry, you, you, you showed them you showed over there. My boy Luis over here, he's known me back when I was going through the rough times. Uh, Shane was part of this journey in this system where he and I both became educators in that system. And Cody, Cody was part of that process. I remember Cody was there when we ascended to head coach status and, and he was killing the game that first time I met him. That was in actually Moore park, not too far away. And, and, and I just always had an appreciation if any, for not only the athleticism, but the depth of character that Cody demonstrated. And I think that that was a big part of that process and that, that not only that system, but the type of people that it attracted is like you said, a non-linear type of thinking. And now you talk about mo- modern neuroscience and it starts to unwind and unfold why it attracted people like that, because you know, the concept of neuroplasticity and, and how you move affects how you think and how you perceive the world around you, how you perceive yourself in the world around you, how you think about critical thinking, uh, how, how you how you look at problems and how you look to solve them changes. It's not a linear process any longer. It's not a no-win proposition. And I think that that's, you know, there's a collective consciousness that's come not only from those teachers, but from the people who are seeking. I think that's what's really driving this modern state of in heightened consciousness, your your listeners, the people who seek out on it, those people would have still been looking for something. But thankfully, some of us were on this journey a little bit earlier in the in in our process, and hopefully, lay a better groundwork for those people to ascend faster than we did, and with less falls. Dude, that's so interesting. Where you just went, how you know a certain type of of person is going to be attracted uh, to a, an alternative fitness system, right? An alternative way of training and moving. And then that method of training and moving actually changes you physiologically and emotionally because someone who's been someone on the outside of this, thinking back to high school, like the jocks in high school, I fucking hated those guys. You know what I mean? Very like limited thinking, very like just square jawed, like knuckleheads. They just couldn't think outside of the box. You know, like the dudes at keggers are just beating up innocent people for no reason. That's like the people I associated with like Jim, ah, pushing weight, getting swole. But if you think about those type of movements don't really facilitate a lot of creative and as you said, critical thinking. So that's a really interesting correlation, the feedback loop, because now all these years later, being into this, interview guys like you, Aubrey, I've interviewed the guys from Mind Pump. I went up there, did their show. I mean, I've you know, been kind of luckily able to hit some of the top people in the field now. And you guys are all just really great guys. Thanks, man. Yeah, that are just, like all the people you know, you're that talking are about. loving and warm hearted. And I'm just like, wait, I thought fitness dudes were like douchey meatheads, you know, <laughs> that are like all juiced up and like just want to go around and beat people up. And this is coming from like my teenage brain, but you know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I'm still, you know, I look at myself in the mirror, I still see my teenage self. I think most right. of us do, right? I was a nerd, right? Oh, I hung, you out, were? I hung out with jocks, I hung out with thugs, and yeah. I, I kind of transcended that role. But if you define me, I was a nerd. You know Interesting. what I mean? Uh, but, but you're right. You say like, um, who fits into the jock mentality is the people who are naturally have physical attributes that let them overpower some either like, because you have height advantages or size advantages. So you learn to use those limited tool sets to get an outcome. And, and, and sometimes that can be a limiting factor as you transcend, right? If you don't use other skills to, to facilitate positive outcomes, you know, then maybe after high school that no longer serves, you see that people with people that have athletic careers professionally, you know, or it's hard to transition or military 
service. You know, the skill sets that really got you to be successful in one venue don't transcend into another without right. some type of bridge. And it's, right. it sucks, you know, you know, no judgment for those people. They just happen to have a certain set of attributes that, that got them to be successful in one venue and they were nurtured. And maybe some of these other things weren't nurtured. And so now, you know, maybe what we can do is make sure we're not wasting human capital, whether it's in the tactical community or athletics community or academic community. You know, you got kids that don't move around anymore. What's that doing? Wow. You know, making, making them more ADD-ish. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm thinking about the kid just with his head down who's already got scoliosis at like seven from looking at his goddamn iPad all day. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. Man, tech's neck is real. Yeah. You know, it's bad. And, and and also just not being outside. You know, it's crazy. I think about kids that grow up in New York City. And it's like you get a little peek down the block. You go outside for a minute. I mean, I lived outside. Thank God when I was a kid. I was just, I was just running wild out in the country, you know? I, I couldn't even come into, I couldn't get back in the house until the streetlights came on. But I had to get yeah, in the house yeah, yeah. right when the streetlights came on. Right, right. You have to anticipate it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of an interesting phenomenon there. So I like where you're going with this, how, you know, talking about the neuroscience and how movement has an effect us, uh, has an effect on us mentally and emotionally, and that we're able to develop this adaptability and emotional intelligence by using the body in more innovative uh, and creative ways. And also I'm thinking about the the novelty of movement and the kind of systems that you're into. And, I, and I've observed that there's a lot of things are different all the time and changing all the time. So what are the other, what are the other ways that this affects you and, and, and kind of your personality and where you're able to go in the world. You know, I think I'd like to highlight something that's an X factor that kind of envelops that concept that we're just talking about. Like the variability of movement is kind of an important thing. Movement variability is, is something that does have a lot of positive impact potential, but I think something that we have to touch on that we don't want to get into this whole muscle confusion kind of concept, or it's not variability for the sake of variability, I think that having planned progressive challenges as you know within a coaching model is really important for people to ascend and transcend like their current belief systems, but intention behind why they're doing what they're doing and, and what positive outcomes they hope to gain mentally, emotionally, psychologically right, is just right. as important. If you're That's not good. involved That's in the process, good. yeah, like bought into a process of personal improvement, you can do all those things and get some benefit, but you're not going to get all the benefit you have to be you have to be truly involved emotionally mentally psychologically and be even have positive self affirmations and talks with yourself change the language of your story right while you're going through the training so that's a big part of what we try to do in our coaching model in our coaching system is empower coaches to have a better dialogue with themselves and through that process better facilitate those conversations that the people they train are having and celebrate wins, celebrate victories, have early victories, create momentum, and then, uh, and then start reaping the rewards of all this stuff kind of unfolding naturally through that process. So it's not just, yeah. So it's not just a movement. It's not like there's a random movement variability. You are progressing. I've noticed that training with Cody over the years that there's like progressions and then there's regressions. Like if, for example, if I don't have the right form and I'm trying to be all badass and move to the next shit, yeah. he's like, no, 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 no back, <laughs> get back until your form's right. But then it incentivizes me as the trainee that I'm, I really want to get my form right because I want that sense of accomplishment of getting to the next complexity of movement. Yeah. So I'm not just randomly coming in like, Oh, I'm going to be complex and random. It's like, no, there has to be, uh, there has to be somewhat of a plan there to get the desired outcome. You know, and that's great too. It's that's like interesting. a good coach is going to 
regress you, but not as a form of punishment. It's like a step forward, even though it doesn't feel like it for you. Like to get to the next step, you have to take a step. It sounds like you're taking a step back, but it's really your next step forward is refinement of what you think you already know on a deeper level, right? Yeah. Well, it's true because it actually feels really good in your body when you have the right form in whatever movement you're doing. Even if it's a more simple movement, I can just feel when I'm aligned and my bones are where they're supposed to be, it actually feels good to do a movement once you know the difference. Because if you, if you progress too fast, it feels wonky. And you, know, you, don't have, you don't have the stability. Yeah, and you're focusing on the wrong things is what it feels like subjectively. Right, so the intention's like you're trying wrong. To, you're trying to hold it all together instead of like really focusing on whatever the movement is. And, and, and exactly. So, and then that's, that takes away from your confidence, takes away from your ability to be mindful and present in the things that you do need to be focused on. So yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I think you were bigger into this uh, fitness thing than you thought, man. <laughs> I think you might, you might, you might be, uh, I'm, I'm, in dude, the know. I'm, I'm halfway joking. I mean, I've, as you said, I've been around Cody for a lot of years now since he's lived in LA. I just, it's an area, honestly, to be honest, I beat myself up a lot because I, I just feel straight up. I just don't move enough and I don't work out enough. And I'm, and now that I'm in this industry, I feel like a sense of obligation to kind of embrace all of it. So, so you know, I, mean, I guess why. the question is, right? So if we're in a, a coaching session, it sounds like yeah. you've gotten some great coaching already. And I already know that yeah. to be the case because I know how Cody coaches. Yeah. But what's enough? Right? It's a reframe, right? It's an opportunity. When I hear you use language like that, then it's an opportunity for us to dive in. Well, what's enough? Well, what gets you the, the, the highest return on investment that you can afford to put in and reduces your rate of your risk of injury? And maybe you're doing less than you think you should. Maybe you could do a little bit more, but it sounds to me like you're on the right path one way or the other. And uh, it's easy for us to be hard on ourselves to always want more. It's that human nature, right? To like still be wanting. Oh, we're yeah. doing really good, but I still want more. You yeah. know? And it's hard to be satisfied, but, but yeah, man, even talking to you right now, I just, you know, maybe you haven't had as many guests on that talk about fitness primarily. And shoot, some of what we talked about is the opposite of fitness yeah. is non-wellness. Yeah. And then using right. that as a platform for, for maybe I'm, I'm hoping, you know, gave me a better sense of empathy and, you know, like to be able to be a better coach, but yeah, it sounds like you're, you're already doing a lot of good things. You know, maybe you just do them a little bit better. Maybe you uh, just say like, man, when you do it, you just, pay yourself a little homage and respect. You're already doing your Kundalini yoga. We talked about Yeah, doing a lot of that, dude. I've had some pretty awesome experiences doing How that. You, where'd you do Kundalini yoga? I had this, uh, the Sikh uh, guy out in Monterey Oh, nice. and, uh, you know, he was a carpenter during the day and taught some Kundalini <laughs> no yoga way. classes That's at night. Dope. And man, I teleported to another dimension in that class a couple times. We'll be right back after this important announcement. Hey folks, listen, I'm about to turn 48 years old and I was thinking about that today and, and the propensity that, that I have toward taking vitamins and supplements. And I thought, man, how long have I been taking vitamins and supplements? And I swear to you, my mom started giving me handfuls of vitamins when I was five years old. That's 1975. That's how long I've been taking vitamins, minerals, supplements, etc. And I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. What I have gotten better at though, is my discernment about which ones actually matter and which ones I want to invest my time, energy, and more importantly, money into. And that brings us to today's sponsor, vitalreaction.com. That's vital-reaction.com. These guys sell something called molecular hydrogen. It comes in two forms, easy to dissolve tabs that you put in water or a medical grade hydrogen gas inhaler. 
I use both of them quite literally on a daily basis. Now, this is a totally safe and non-toxic element. It supports the body's ability to maintain a condition of balance by neutralizing harmful free radicals and boosting your internal antioxidant system. So if blueberries are a powerful antioxidant, which I love blueberries, right? Great. This is like blueberries on freaking steroids. Uh, It keeps your oxidative stress low, supports homeostasis, and literally decreases your chances of getting a disease. There's hundreds of scientific studies. There's also an episode I did back in number uh, 112 with Tyler LeBaron, all about molecular hydrogen. This is powerful stuff. It's affordable. It's easy to use. It's very convenient. I literally don't leave home without it, especially on long drives and on flights. I'm pounding the hydrogen tabs like nobody's business. So if you want to check it out, which I highly recommend that you do, get over to vital-reaction.com. Use the code LUKEH2 to save 10%. That's vital-reaction.com. Use the code LUKEH2 and hook yourself up with a 10% discount. And now back to the interview. Here's something good that I want to go into though in terms of the fitness and what each person is capable of. And I know this is something that we were talking about a bit at dinner and Cody's been through it and I'm going through it right now. I just had stem cell treatment. So my back's been really hurt and I don't want to do anything too jarring, you know, to my back. I'll give it a little time to heal, but then I fell out of the fitness and he, you know, had a, he had issues with his neck. And so he hasn't been able to train the way he likes. So something I like about this whole functional fitness movement, (laughs) the movement of movement is that there is allowance to let your body rest. It's not just like this, go, go crush it, CrossFit. Ah! It's like, no, if you're injured, you got to slow down and then you got to rebuild and kind of work on the mobility. So can you talk about, you know, how we can train hard, but also safely? Yeah. So again, it's all relative. So one thing, one thing that most people fail to look at, and they're always, we're, we're always in a comparative analysis, like a weaker mindset. It's always about comparative with something else that we see as an ideal. Like it really doesn't matter what somebody else has or does like an honest assessment of self is a like really important, a really hard thing to do. So that's why coaching is so important, right? You have to defer to somebody who with, with good eyes that can see things you might not be able to see and even recognize and celebrate things about you that you can't see because you won't give yourself enough of that love or credit, you know, and and then create a, a framework of what success might look like based on, where you actually are, not where you want to be. And I think that that's such an important step in this process is like recognizing where someone is, recognizing where they want to be, and then actually nurturing and facilitating that process yeah, and, and creating early wins just relative to the actual state that that person's in. Because, you know, it's okay that you're in pain. There's plenty of other things we can do other than load you up and make you out work out hard. So that's one of the things you say, like, go hard. You know, that's it's just all relative. There's so many ways that we look at this. So when, one of the things we talk about in our system is unconventional fitness. So if you look at unconventional as a term, we look at unconventional warfare. You know, at first everybody lined up with guns, pointed straight at each other, and bang, right? <laughs> and say right. here in the U.S., we use guerrilla warfare. We started flanking the British and shooting them from the sides, running around. We weren't fighting by the rules. And why the fuck are we doing? Pardon my language. Yeah, everything you can based say on what. What's we'll put a little right? E in iTunes yeah. for that one. Uh, conventional, conventional mindsets get, yield conventional results, and I'm not willing to take the norm as an outcome for myself or my clients. You know, so so what we look at is creating a, a unified synergistic approach to whatever it is that you want to have as an outcome, and and 
not be attached to one method or any singular method or even any singular intensity, but whatever is going to get us the best outcome with the least risk and create those early wins. Because if you, if we start training and you're, you're, you're hurt two weeks in, cause I didn't do a good enough assessment on the front end. That's not going to help us get momentum. It's not going to help you feel empowered to keep going further, further or faster or work towards getting stronger or, or work harder, like you said, right? But if we do create some momentum for four weeks and you, you know, you, your mind, your, your nervous system all feel like, man, I feel safe. I feel empowered. I got this great momentum. All of a sudden, it's just like I always say, like with a kid, once a kid starts to walk, how, why is a kid going to start running? Well, because it's a natural evolution, right? Once you start walking, you're going to find that I just want to start running. They just want to, they're inclined to, because it's the next step. So if we take that process, if we look at, you know, the developmental process of a child, it's a, it's a longer process, right? Crawling before you walk, they say, right? And so, but there's so many steps between that too, you know, before they stood up, they had to grab a table and work into a little squat. And before they stood up, they fell down a bunch of times before they took the first step successfully. They fell down a bunch of times before they ran. They probably fell a bunch of times face first. You know, we don't want to necessarily facilitate that many failures, right. And perceived failures. And man, I think adults are less tolerant to failure than kids are. We want to create a framework of early and frequent success with limitations on how frequent failure occurs relative to your resiliency towards failure. So Damn, that's know, good stuff. So, uh, you know, if we go through that process, it takes one highly empathic coach that understands uh, Cody and I were talking about like, Hey, our process, maybe it's not a year in or two years in before you, you master anything, maybe three years in, you finally get it, but that doesn't mean you got it. It just means you're, it's like your black belt. When you get a black belt. It doesn't mean you're done. It means you finally ready to start learning. And, you know, I think, Learning comes from the repetitions of executing and being willing to be wrong fast so you can get to write faster. You know what I mean? Like, hey, this is, I think this is what we need to do. Oh, shoot, that's not getting the outcome. Scrap that. Let's go with a different approach. And just uh, any good clinician I know works on that same type of model. Like, okay, the 80 20 rule says this is going to work. Shit, it didn't work. Let's not start, keep on being attached to something that doesn't work. Let's do what works. And you know, in our, in our fitness system, we have a plethora of different methodologies. We have a lot of different avenues and we celebrate being able to hand off a client that might be better served by somebody else with a different specialty. We work as a team. We work as, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. I think for any one person, it might take five different people with different specialties or insights to really serve them the best. You know, and we can all work as a team. How many coaches do you guys have over it on it? Yeah, at the gym there. Oh, shoot, at the gym, across the different things that we do, I'd say about 14 different coaches. Wow. Uh, but they all offer something very unique. And it's not only even just the methods, but the connection. Like when you choose a coach, it's not only just like, oh, I like the way they move, right? But it's like, there's a vibe too, right? I think you and I were talking about yeah. that earlier. Yeah, You absolutely. find somebody, you're like, no, I just want to hang out with this person. Yeah, yeah. And when you say you do it, when you say you do an assessment of someone, what does that typically look like? What are you looking for? Say I walk in, I'm like, dude, I want you to train me. What, what, what are you going to figure out in that first couple hours you work with me? You know, anytime you're coaching, you're doing more than just facilitating a movement outcome, right? So I think getting to know you as a person is a big first step. So like, why does it matter? You know, 
why, why, why? Get to the why. You know, what is it going to drive you when you want to quit? I need to know what that is first. What is the outcome you want, right? And then why is it you you care about that? And then beyond what you think is the superficial reason why, why does it really fucking matter? You know, when it, when it will matter, why, you know, for me, it's about being a better parent or being a grandparent that can roll around on the kid, or roll around on the floor with my grandkids, you know, and show them how to play and still be in a state where I can do that. I think that drives me every day. You know, for some people, it just might be not wanting to be at the mercy of being taken care of by someone else, you know, something so there's, we have inherent whys. And then, and then an honest assessment of where you are. And I don't think most people understand where they are. They just know where they want to get there in six weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, you know, and that might get you closer, but most of us are pretty unrealistic in our goals. Right. So, so a a good assessment of your physical capabilities, uh, your attention span, like that's a big part of coaching too, is like, well, how, how well do you respond to language? Do I need to be very, create a framework where there's a lot of self-limiting variations of movement so that even if you're not paying attention, you, you can become more aware, create a framework where there's, there's a balance of those things. And, and then it's really about a relationship, like developing communication of trust so that when things do get hard, um, you believe that I'm putting you in a position to make a win. You know, I think there's a big psychology trumps physiology. If you talk about that's interesting, coaching, yeah, because I, I was expecting your answer honestly to be like, well, I want to see how their shoulder moves and if their knees good. You know? That's like, that's actually the last part of it <laughs> is funny. is we go through a joint by joint movement assessment right. and see what moves and what doesn't move. Right. Because um, you get be, you get like big guys coming in there that want to you know I want to bench this bench that and you're like, dude, you you can't move like you don't have joints that are able to do those movements yeah that's that it's not safe you know to load that joint per se that's that's a big part of it but there's ways to work around a lot of that too you know there's you can limit range of motion you can do certain things so you can give them what they want and then you give them what they need as a part of the process too you know to be honest it's really hard to do but we're working on trying to envelop a lot of this stuff and package it in a way where people can consume it in mass right you know like through the delivery of digital media. And it's hard because, you know, some of this is really interactive, but at least there can be language and there could be the expression of that stuff, delivering stuff even virtually through streaming media and things like that. And like we said, people want the results in six, 12, 18 weeks. Nobody wants 18 weeks. They want six or 12 weeks, right? Nine, 90 days or less. And so we started working on delivering, you know, our, our formula in kind of six week bite-sized increments. And so yeah, it's a lot of the stuff we're trying to fold into something that people can can consume at home digitally and, and make it available yeah, all smart. through on it. Yeah. Smart, yeah, because you guys are in Austin, you know? <laughs> That's going to be a problem for someone in Chicago or wherever, you I'm know? I'm in LA, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, today, right? You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, but there's only, there's only so many so many of us, but we have like over a thousand coaches that have gone through our education system. They're all on different right. levels of evolution of how they deliver it. Because like I said, even as a coach, you start to learn through the process of working with people and different different people, different sizes, shapes, ages. It's, it's really important to get your reps. But man, we're really proud of the, the way we've tried to empower the coaches within our system. And a lot of people have come through our system just for personal improvement, like I told you my story. And I think that you know when I started that process, I always tell people when I started start teaching a seminar that... uh you know, if you start this journey this weekend to be here just for yourself, realize when I started, 
it was six years later, I started training people for money. I trained people for free for six years wow. in my garage, but, wow. but I didn't know I was going to land this awesome job and on it. And right. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been a pretty cool journey. When you talk about your why to be able to roll around on the ground comfortably as an old man and play with your grandkids, what are some of the other natural movements that a human being should be able to, to use as, as an adult that ages that we've lost because of our sedentary lifestyle? What are some basic movements that you think we're kind of at lost touch with that'd be good to work on just as a foundation? Well, I think, uh, you know, I like to pay homage to a lot of other people that contribute to my level of awareness. So Cody and I were talking about some people that contribute to recently to newfound awareness, you know, Dr. Andre Espina and his FRC and FR systems. I'm sure you've heard Cody talk They've about been working them. on me. Uh, yeah, man, it's, it's cool great stuff. stuff. Yeah. You know, if you look at what people truly lack and they're doing a lot of these more in-depth assessments, we could, we could say like uh, shoulder and hip internal rotation is lacking pretty much everywhere across the board and it's causing a lot of people's pain. Those things alone are not enough though. And, and I think if we, if we looked at those things as like, okay, those things suck on most people. We can work towards improving that, but then we have to also integrate how this part and this part and this part and this part work into like movements that we can utilize to, to function in the world and interact with stuff. And so like keeping things simple is super powerful because if we can group things into like four different buckets, then even if more stuff fit into four buckets, we can kind of classify things. And, you know, I think it, for me, I'm really simple. I can, I can think about three or four different variables at any given time at any different level, you know? So, you know, groups of threes, groups of fours work really well. A uh, guy by the name of Dan John, he, he's, he goes by five. And I thought that was really cool. Squat, hinge, push, pull. So what does that mean? Well, can I, can I hinge at my hips create a disassociation between my, my lower body and my upper body at a nice angle. Can I squat like a child would squat developmentally? Ideally for us, we were working more towards that developmental squat. How do I push and pull? Do I do so in a way that's destructive uh, to my shoulders? Particularly we talk about shoulders, neck, and can I keep things aligned? So along with those five, we look at like a, what we look at as a tall neutral posture. Can I stack things like a building blocks? So I'm working in a way where I'm not creating a lot of surface area for gravity to work on me. And if I'm in that configuration, what's my body telling me? So if we look at those, those basic things that we say, okay, so, Oh, look, yeah. IR sucks all across the board. These big four joints that kind of do a lot of the stuff. What's IR internal rotation. Oh, okay. And then we look at like, okay, well, how does that affect all these other things? These really simplified things. Yeah. There's none of it there, bro. Uh, I'm, I'm practicing while he's talking. I'm going, do I have that? Yeah, not so much. I hear, er, 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 er. <laughs> <laughs> crunch, crunch. Uh, well, you know, so, so again, like, uh, so simplifying things and then, and then from that framework, we can do like thousands of different variables to sophisticate or, or you know, develop, progress and, and, and still honor that simplified model of understanding. And I think that that's, that's really a big part of our education system is just making it easy to digest early and then be able to like have a limitless potential for application thereafter. Um, but we also are integrating, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants. There's a lot of smart people that have contributed to the perspectives we, we get to benefit from. And I just like to make sure that when uh when we're in that situation, if we're cognizant of it, we honor that. And uh, you know, we talked about Pavel Scott being part of my journey. 
talked about, you know, Dr. Spina being somebody recently that I've, I've learned a lot from, uh, Dr. Mark Chang, hanging out with Eric Goodman recently, a foundation training. We were talking about him at dinner. I just, I feel like there's so much growth that can happen through collaboration and honoring honoring the perspectives of all those people and, and just being the person that aggregates that in a meaningful way. People don't place enough value on that. You guys, you, you interview people, you, you, uh, what, what does a, a museum person do that you curate, curate, you're curating yeah. content, right? And that's a powerful thing. I think for fitness, I, that's really what I've been trying to do for these last, this last decade is curate the content that I feel is valuable and put it in a way that where everything can be celebrated in, in unity. And and synergistic and complementary, and uh, at the same time, really simple. Where do you? That's really well said, man. Where do you see? Uh, where do you see fitness going at, at on it and in your world? Like, what, you know, if you had a dream over the next few years, what kind of stuff would you like to see integrated? That's kind of missing at this point. You know, I'm seeking constantly. So, you know, we talked about recently hanging out and, and getting to know uh, Dr. Eric Goodman and his body of work, and I'm thinking, wow. That's so complementary to the perspectives that that we've had. That's the next the next journey. The next step for me is to delve deeper into that work and figure out how to integrate it more meaningfully and in a way that serves him and his community as well as he serves ours. Right. And so, for me, that's that's the biggest thing right now is is collaboration. I think with organizations and individuals that bring value to the people that are, have already joined me on this journey, and hopefully, you know, uh, a whole aggle of people that are going to opt to to join in on this movement of self-improvement through the on it lens and through all the, the network of people that are choosing to support that process either through their own communities and entities like which are awesome or you know collaboratively with within ours as well i think that's so healthy what you guys are doing culturally we were talking about uh zappos you know on the way over here yeah. and i just read that the book uh, delivering happiness and it's it's so cool to see a company like yours operate to get to come in, you know, someone who hasn't had uh, like a corporate job and then especially in the fitness industry and to see that degree of cooperation, you know, reaching outside to other experts and integrating them and creating relationships and systems where everybody benefits, you know, a 360 win. I just think that's, it's such a cool direction as pessimistic as some people are about where we are in the world yeah. right now. You know, I, I guess, cause what I do for a living, I get to see sometimes only the best stuff, which is that it's exciting. I'm like, Oh, cool. I want to see what you guys, you know, integrate next because it's, it is really, um, there's, there's so many things that you can kind of throw in the soup, you know, to make a good gumbo. And it's cool that you guys have such a, an inclusive attitude rather than an exclusive attitude. Yeah. I mean, if you want to self-select, I, we're not going to turn you away. You know, you can be anywhere on any step on your journey, but if you choose to be part of our community, then you have a place and, and there'll be, you know, a coach or somebody that's going to be the perfect person, hopefully to help you help facilitate your next step in, in the right direction. It might, it might not be me or it might not be the coach that you see on, on Instagram that's, that's doing certain things. Maybe you just need yeah. the first step, you know, and I'm really excited about creating a community that can kind of fulfill that dream and, and kind of keep the intent behind all that true to at least my vision, Aubrey's vision and the growing community of people at on it. So it's, it's been really cool. Like I said, even at on it, a lot of us have been like individual personalities kind of moving our agenda forward. Lately, we've had some really big wins 
right? That required better collaboration interdepartmentally. So I'll just, just to be completely transparent, a lot of us were kind of working in silos, right? And even as we have this evolutionary culture, this really inclusive culture, we're all kind of working on different agendas at the same time and haven't really like, it's like different fingers, but we didn't make the fist. You know, like if you poke somebody with a finger, it could be really annoying, but if I hit you with this fist, <laughs> well said. It, 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 yeah. could, it could it have a lot more power, right? Right. So uh, I've been celebrating this recently with our COO, Jason Havey. We've been talking about, well, wow, look at what we've been able to accomplish lately. We recently partnered with this industry leader in the fitness and wellness space, uh, this company called Exos, and that required all hands-on-deck collaboration. And we were able to accomplish some really serious feats to support that relationship in, in a matter of a couple months. Like, man, well, we did that there. Then Aubrey just came out with his book, right? And, and that book was something that a lot of us got to contribute to. And now, you know, it's this huge win for not only Aubrey, but for the company and for our mission. And, you know, he's on the New York Times bestseller list. And I think all of us, the whole company could take a little sense of pride in contributing in some meaningful way to that, you know, all the different departments. And then now just actually, I just got word tomorrow we'll be launching that, that digital product. Oh, nice. That's, that's called on it six. And so that's something that, again, all different departments, either through tech and delivering the streaming content or fitness or operations, or a lot of people at the warehouse or in creative or whatever beta tested the program and helped us evolve it on site at on it. I just think that right now that sense of collaboration is, is such a recurring theme. It, that's really what's getting me more and more excited. So like, you just wait. It, I, I really hope that that's cool. I really hope that we do better in inside our little inside our walls. Yeah. But then do better of these collaborate with these collaborations outside of them too. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I want to ask you a couple more things before we wrap it out. One is, what else do you integrate in terms of uh, bodily support and recovery? Are you into, you know, what kind of body work, chiropractic, acupuncture, Ooh. any of that kind of stuff? So we yeah. talked a bit about, you know, I like that we've covered a lot about the business of fitness and how that's evolved. Fitness itself, staying fit, what you can do, what you can't do, the mindset. But how do you take care of the body okay. when, when, you know, when you need to... You recover from injury and, and just, you know, the trauma of working it. One, it has to be proactive and paid in advance. It's like, uh, let's just put it this way. If you need money and you haven't built a savings, what's the likelihood anybody's going to give you any money? It's really small, right? Unless you got a rich uncle, that cool uncle you were talking about yeah. earlier, you better hope he's still, <laughs> he's still rolling in dough. All right, so you have to pay it into your body every day. And so, um, you know, all this fitness stuff, all the intention that we're talking about, the reality is the intention has to be to create a better platform for your body to execute whatever it is you want to do. So you got to pay into it every day. A lot of people think recovery is the secondary part of a process. That's how I was thinking of it. Work, so you work it really hard and then you go then recover. you got recovery. <laughs> okay. Those things, they don't really work in the same space, right? And so what we do, everything is integrative. So work and recovery kind of yin and yang and they're not two pieces recovery is folded into the process it's part of the, it's the thought process that drives the why behind why we were progressing or regressing It's the thought process of why we warm up and pay it into our body before and after we're done so in our technology we are always doing you know priming the body to work 
and seeing as a coach or as yourself, kind of like starting the conversation, am I really ready to do what I'm about to do? Oh, my body's telling me something other than what I want to hear right now. So maybe I changed the game plan for the day, or maybe I feel really good. I'm going to execute at a high level. And even then I have to pay it in my body afterwards. So like I did a really good work today. Let's go ahead and, and spend some time thanking my body in a process of recovery after that work. Right. So that could look like a joint mobility warm up and a yoga, like, you know, decompression, you know, ritual before and after just like starting your day with a morning ritual and ending your day with a nightly ritual. And so ideally those things will be synergistic and complementary to the work you're doing and they'll drive the why behind a lot of it. Right. So that's kind of that technology. We really didn't go into that. So I'm glad you asked that. And then, so as part of that process, you're putting money in the bank as you're withdrawing at the same time. Hopefully you're putting more in than you're taking out. I like to always think that like, well, in, in the delivery of fitness and in your lifestyle, you might want to put in twice as much as you're taking out in terms of time and energy. So we talk about holistic recovery technologies. You talk about mindfulness, right? So if we do a one hour workout, literally about 30 minutes of it's going to be going towards either priming the body through preparatory drills and mobility activation positional work before we even start loading the body. And then at least 10 minutes, let's just say 25 total minutes of restorative or recovery or, or preparatory work. That's really designed to just make the body function better to work harder during the time that you can work or work better. It doesn't always have to be harder, but then if I was two to one, I'm still not in ratio. So I might want to have a good mindfulness practice, a good, breath work practice and we add some time. So if, if it was like 30, 35 minutes, two to one, 70 minutes. Okay. So got 25 minutes of recovery within the workout. I still need to make up 45 minutes somewhere. So like if I have a morning ritual, I have a night ritual. So maybe that's another 15 minutes on each side. It's another 30 minutes. Still need 15 minutes somewhere. Maybe I go do some meditation in the meditation room at on it where you had a, you had an experience yeah. or, or maybe, <laughs> or maybe, maybe I do, uh, Almost got had to call nine one one. I meditated so hard in there. Yeah, uh, and then uh, you know I, some of the practices we've had on site are that we find really powerful. Are, uh, dry needling. Wow, that's really great, really powerful. But again, it's practitioner dependent. Again, another one that's practitioner dependent we really like is fascial stretch therapy, which is a passive, passive stretch kind of. Uh, technology that someone facilitating you going through ranges of motion, a lot like what we talked about range of motion training that you do actively. They can take you through larger ranges passively, prepare you to actually be in better positions that you can go through as well. So it's actually, there's just such a cascade of these other things and you have to find what the right ratio is for you. But, you know, we can throw in, you said chiropractic or, or massage or cold therapy Right. But literally, and we look at a cycle of training. I'd love to see people look at how much time and energy they're putting into recovery, down regulation and, and mindfulness and add all that up together as a, you know, in a weekly or monthly basis. Cause the day in, day out, it might not work the same way as too, too granular a lot of times. But we look at a four week, a, six week, a 12 week timeline. Some days you might have more recovery than two to one. Some days you're going to have less, but ideally I'd love to see over a course of time that people care about how much they're putting into the bank more than they t- take out. Cause you, you know what happens if you keep taking out more money 
than you're putting in at the bank. It's called overdrawn. Man, you know, and then you got to pay penalties. It's <laughs> called injury, man, you know, yeah, yeah. or burnout or... $27 late fee, yeah. over the limit fee, yeah. Yeah, I know about those. That's so, cool. That's so sorry, cool. Man, I got off my, my high horse there, but no, that's... I love it, dude. That's what I'm looking for. I mean, that's what the people that's what the people need to know. You got to understand. There's a lot of people listening. They're probably not doing a lot of movement. They don't think they like fitness. They don't like working out. Or there's people that are maybe in a paradigm that's becoming stale for them, and they might hear this and go, "Oh shit, this is a different way of thinking about it." You know? Well, if they, if it's getting stale, there's there's so. I mean, we're in this age of abundance of of well-educated specialists and practitioners. And then you have people like us and what we're trying to bring up are generalists that can tie and glue it all together for you and, and maybe give you a perspective of how to balance all these things in a way that might serve you better and keep you from feeling stale, keep you from, keep you from feeling like you're, you're no longer enjoying the process because there's so much out there to experience and and you like you said you're in this really unique position where you get to see the best of the best but it's also the choice you're making right you choose to seek out the best of the best and hang out with them and be inspired by that and i think that we're in this age where wherever you're at because of the internet because of the choice that you get to make about what type of information you let in we can all experience that, even if it's just checking out, you know, the Lifestylist podcast or Aubrey Marcus podcast. You get to choose the, your inputs, and uh, then you can go seek out the people that really inspire you. So that's crazy, right? You can get a PhD in life now, just almost from like free media. I'm I'm still blown away at the stuff I get to take in every day. It's crazy. I got an Audible account. I've been, I mean, that's not free. I've been buying all these audiobooks, and I'm just like, dude. I mean, anything, literally anything you want to learn about. You can learn about driving around. You talk about Ottawa. It's crazy. I got this ritual, my morning ritual, right? Literally, if when I'm if I'm trying to lean out, so I'm gonna buy like, my secret. Shh. Don't tell everybody, okay, Luke. Twenty thousand people are about to hear your Fa- secret. Fast and car. This is no, this it's not really. It's not really. <laughs> it's not really that secret. It, we talk about balancing mindfulness and effort, and I think some people are so fixated on burning more calories. Doing more in less time, efficiency, optimization in that way. They miss the boat. It's not always a competition of what you can do more of in less time. For me, I do fasted cardio in the morning to teach my body to have better metabolic flexibility. So I keep my intensity really low, but I listen to audible. And what I find is if I'm in a state where my I'm not in a sympathetic state, I'm not in getting excited through my movement, I'm in this meditative zone of movement. And I've actually I can if if I can listen to my Audible book, my audio book, and take in the information because I only listen to self improvement stuff or yeah, things that, yeah. that like I'm trying to take in to better myself. If I can be aware of this information and I'm in this meditative state, I find I'm hyper receptive. And if I start moving too fast or pu- pushing too hard, I start start hearing less of what I'm trying to listen to. Totally. And and yeah. it actually is counterproductive from the fact that I'm trying to like. I'm just moving to restore my body and also put my body in a good state, but also trying to put my mind in a good state. So when you talked about Audible, I just had to share. That's Dude, no, that's really interesting because uh, sometimes when I come here to Story Fitness, I come to the classes, right? And there's music bumping, there's a bunch of other people, and those are like 20-minute. Well, we do the mobility, then there's like a 20-minute high-intensity interval type thing, and then there's like a compensation yoga kind of stretching thing at the end. He knows He knows what's up, right? But in those classes, the fucking music is bumping. And I, I find it really, I don't even, especially if it's rap, but even if it's rock and roll, which is my music, 
I find it really annoying because it distracts me from my workout. Like I can't focus on the, like it takes every ounce of energy to get through a high intensity workout for 20 minutes. So I like coming in by myself or now I work with one trainer and then it doesn't have to be loud music and stuff so I can work out really hard. So it's funny. It's the op, you know, it's the same thing for me, but I need like quiet if it's really hardcore because the music takes me out of it. But if I'm doing like jumping on my rebounder or just whatever, then I, I love having audiobooks on or like music on because I can take it in. That's so interesting. But yeah. I never realized it until you said that. That's just just that's funny, cool. trippy things that, you know, yeah, this has just been cool. something I realized recently. That's really good to the, rece- the receptivity. And that also speaks to the Kundalini yoga and that whole thing. You know, there's different types of movement involved in that. And there's always music and there's always mantra and chanting. And I've always felt that, the mantra and the intention, you know, that good spiritual energy, it gets into you more because you warm up. That's the first thing you do is you get the body ready to take that download of spiritual energy, for lack of a better term, you know? So that's, uh, that's cool. That's good shit, dude. Well, man, uh, it's getting late over here. I know Cody's sitting here. It's past. It's like three hours past his bedtime. <laughs> Probably yours too. You've been traveling today. So I'm going to let you guys go because I could do this forever. We'll do it again. Uh, but I want to ask you in closing my uh, my uh, constant question that I, I don't think I've actually ever forgotten to ask it, which is astonishing. And that is, you've taught me tons today, John. Uh, you've taught our audience tons. Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced you in your life? Not necessarily in fitness, just someone that you might recommend we go check out to learn from. Well, the first one we've already talked about, I, I pay homage always to my teacher and sensei at Bojuka Ru. Unfortunately, he's passed away since the time that I got to spend with him, but I love to honor him all the time. Is that someone we could look up? You could, you could, you know, he started his own martial art. <laughs> okay. But, but I I'm mean, always looking for in the show notes. Sometimes my producer, they call me and they're like, uh, we can't find this person. I'm like that's his grandpa. Yeah. Like he's not famous, you know? <laughs> yeah. Since Eddie Stewart, you know, um, All right. that's, that's been a big part and coming to on it, there's been a lot of learnings, just what Aubrey Marcus has done right to create the culture that he has that supported me to allow me to be successful and thereby hopefully allow a lot of other people that I'm mentoring right now to, to continue being successful in ways that we have yet to realize, you know, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. The third, who, who do I want to say third, man? You know, there's this, you know, it's just weird to say, uh, there was this high school teacher. He's another person that you probably not going to look up and, and, and read about Mr. Jones, my old physics teacher, one of the, most inspiring teachers I've ever had. And uh, I'd like to pay a little tribute to him if he gets to listen to this. But let's, let's circle back. We'll go with somebody that actually... That's cool. Did, he might. You could did, send it to did, him. If yeah, you to man. Find him. I'll, I'll try to find him. <laughs> but, but, you know, one thing that's been really impactful, uh, I've really learned a lot from, is uh, the five love languages. So just learning... That's funny. I just ordered that on Audible yesterday, dude. Yeah. How funny. Just realizing that not everybody wants to receive the same way and doesn't isn't fulfilled What's in the same way. What's your type? I'm a, a physical touch and words of affirmation. Oh, okay. So like, I'm, I, so I hug everybody. I, I don't know yeah. if I've hugged you yet, but I'm going to hug you before we're Good. done with the night. Good. I like hugs. Yeah. I'm and, down with that. Yeah. So those are my things. How looked, about you? I look... Well, I haven't, I haven't read it yet, but I did... Um, explained myself to someone who's familiar with the whole assessment thing and what they ascertained is I'm whatever type it is that needs to be told, like you're doing a good job all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Hey, you crushed that. Good job. Thanks for doing that thing. Like if I don't get appreciated, I get, I'm bombed. Yeah. That's pretty much all I need is just 
just like be like, hey, I noticed you did that thing. Thank you for that. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, dude. So you can thank me for having a podcast, you guys, by going to LukeStory.com <laughs> and offering a pledge. No, I'm just kidding, but not really. Listen, dude, uh, thanks so much, man. Really, I'm really glad we got to, to meet up on your trip here to L.A. Thanks for coming on the show. Where can we find you, website, social media, all that stuff? I don't have my uh, formal website up and running right now, but it'll be CoachJohnWolf.com. Cool. Instagram slash CoachJohnWolf. Check out the upcoming project we have at Onnit, onnit.com slash six, S-I-X. Uh, that should be up and running here shortly. So keep an eye out. Sweet, man. Thanks, dude. Appreciate you coming out. Right, thanks. All right. Hold up. Hold up. Stop taking that selfie of your abs in the bathroom mirror at the gym. Just hold on. We got to do the outro to the show. I'm sure you got very excited. You started pumping some iron, doing some jumping jacks, throwing them weights around hitting the elliptical, doing all the things you do. No, but seriously, uh, we have to do the outro. And the outro is for a couple different things. It's to give thanks. It's like Thanksgiving at the end of every show. So first and foremost, I want to thank you. I want to thank your ears that are listening to my voice right now. Uh, if you have the ability to, to do that, which I'm hoping you do. Otherwise, it'd be a real boring show. And uh, I'd also like to thank John Wolf, man. What a great guy. What a great dude. My brother Cody was right. John Wolf is the man officially. That's capital T, capital M, the man. John Wolf from On It. Amazing guest, amazing guy, very inspirational. And then I'd also like to thank our three show sponsors, man. Vital Reaction, a new sponsor, a product that I've been using for a long time. If you could see me, you know, like have a hidden camera in my house all day long. You would be amazed at how many times I go into the kitchen and drop one or two tabs of the Vital Reaction Molecular Hydrogen in a glass of spring water and pound that down. It's kind of like almost every time I get a drink of water, which is, I don't know, three, four times a day. I probably have a nice, solid glass of water. Uh, also, every single time I meditate, which is twice a day for 20 minutes, I have the Vital Reaction Molecular Hydrogen Inhaler going up my nose right in the grill so i've got something called uh what do they call it a cannula it's one of those little medical things like you see people that are on oxygen it you know goes over your ears and then two little prongs go up your nose and i breathe the molecular hydrogen uh gas is really what it is um I have the little machine next to my couch and my little meditation spot where i sit on my biomat and that is where I sit and inhale that stuff at least once because every once in a while I'll meditate. You know, I go to the park and do my afternoon meditation. But most mornings, unless I run out of the house to Kundalini Yoga or one of my other self-care practices in the morning, I'm sitting there on that vital reaction machine getting hella lit. Seriously, the molecular hydrogen. Um, I did an episode on it a while ago. If you just Google, I'll put it in the show notes, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, it will be in the show notes, actually. There's an ad for a vital reaction. Of course, it's going to be in there. You can just click on that, but you can also go back and just Google um, Luke Story Hydrogen, and that episode will come up with Tyler LeBaron. I did exactly an hour that I recorded with Tyler, who's not affiliated with any um, company that sells any products. He's just an arbitrary science geek that I interviewed at the Bulletproof conference um, last year. And we did an hour all about hydrogen and how powerful it is for healing and anti-aging and disease prevention, and even in some cases, treatment. So it's really powerful and really safe. So I want you to get over to Vital Reaction, uh, and that is vital-reaction.com. And here's what's super sweet. If you use the code LUKEH2, that's LUKEH2, get it? Like H2 hydrogen, yeah. 
uh, you will save 10% off not only the molecular hydrogen tabs that you drop in water, but also on the Vital Reaction Inhaler, which is a couple of few thousand dollars depending on what model you get. So there's a substantial savings of 10% at vital-reaction.com using the code LUKEH2. Then on to Altera Pure, ah, my buddies from Ojai, California. The softest, most luxurious, high-quality, gourmet-level organic sheets on the market. I've been searching for organic bedding for a long time. I've not found any bedding that comes close in terms of the entire seed-to-sheet process. I mean, we're talking non-GMO, no chemical treatments, no fire retardants, no weird stuff that's going to give you a bunch of diseases while you're trying to sleep and rest. Altera Pure Sheets, amazing. I've got the duvet cover, the pillowcases. I even travel with the pillowcase. Like I'm like Linus off uh, Snoopy. Was it Peanuts? Yeah, with this little blanket. I'm like that with my little pillow. I use a uh, Samina pillow, best pillow in the world, by the way. Um, They're not one of our sponsors, but there's some kind of discount on Samina products on my website, lukestory.com forward slash store. You can find all of this stuff. There's a section on sleep and you can find this amazing pillow just total side note. But what's more important is that you have a truly organic, I mean, not a fake ass organic, because if you go to Target or something like that, no offense, Target, but there are a lot of bedding products that can legally be called organic because the cotton was grown organically, but then they're still treated with a bunch of chemicals. It's fake ass. It's a total scam. So don't play yourself. Go to alterapure.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST, that's one word, LIFESTYLIST, and save 15%. That's alterapure.com. A-L-T-E-R-R-A-P-U-R-E, alterapure.com, LIFESTYLIST for 15%. And then finally, our buddies over at Organifi. They're a sponsor of almost every show, and I love Organifi. You guys know I take this stuff every day. I don't run promos for anything that I don't personally use. That's my rule. That's my integrity. That's what I stand by. Uh, And you can go to Organifi.com forward slash Luke. Enter the code again, one word, lifestylist, and save 20% over there. That's Organifi.com forward slash Luke. Organifi is spelled with an I. They got a little slick there. Probably because Organifi with a Y was probably taken. And whoever whoever squatting on that URL probably wanted 100 grand for it. Uh, But seriously, Organifi... Uh, Altera Pure and Vital Reaction. Thank all of you. If, if any of you the reps from those companies ever get around to hearing the end of my shows when I do the outros, it's a little bonus plug for you guys. I love you all. I thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Lifestylist podcast. Do me a huge, massive favor. And just right now, like seriously, I'm not even playing. This is what we call in the business, a call to action. So I'm just going to be transparent. This is a call to action right now, straight up, listener. I want you to, you know, stop this, press pause as soon as I say go, and then reach down and click on the share tab on your podcast player, whatever you're listening to, copy that link and just text it to one friend. That's all I ask. Share the show with one friend or screen grab the player and uh, throw it up on your Instagram stories. Whatever you can do to help spread the word about the Lifestyles podcast is greatly appreciated. I'll be back in your brain, back in your ear canals, drilling right into the dome Next Tuesday with Darren Olean for number 168, where we talk about confessions of the world's top superfood hunter. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.